1981 is a very special year for me. I'll tell you a few things. Ronald Reagan in 1981 took an oath, became our 40th president on January 20th. Prince Charles married Lady Diana on July 20th in 1981. It was on TV and it was in the newspapers. Imagine that. The popular movie in 1981, the most popular movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right, yeah. Uh, The most popular TV show was Dallas, the original. All right. Uh, The popular phrase in 1981 was, bet you can't eat just one. Thank you, Lay's Potato Chips. You are so true. And then MTV was birthed. Do you know what the first video was on MTV? Video killed the radio star. There you go. All right. And that's when MTV... Oh, y'all didn't like that I mentioned MTV. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, it's, it's a fact. It, it, it was born then, okay? Um, but uh, actually, I'm impressed that they actually showed music videos on MTV. And then there were games that people would flock to, like the Rubik's Cube. Okay? That was what was happening. Donkey Kong, Frogger, and Pac-Man Mania swept the nation. Okay? Big things. Big things happened in 1981. And not only... Did the Islanders score nine goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs on April 8th? Not only that in the playoffs, but that was the day I was born. That was a special day for me. You don't have to clap, but you can, okay? Okay. All right. I mean, it's it's semi-importance. I mean, they didn't put my birth in the newspaper or anything like that. Um, Poor me, right? But that was the day I was born. And that was a special day. It was a special day for my mom. It was a special day for my dad and my sister, although she kind of had some ill will feelings that a little sibling was coming into to the house. And, and we look back and we celebrate April 8th every year, you know, and, and I make sure to talk to my parents. And I think it's just as much a celebration for them as it is for me. And I'm grateful for the day that I was born and the life that I have here on this earth. But there was another birth that took place in my life that was more important. Um, it happened on June 24th, 1994, and that was when I was reborn. You see, I was born in 1981, and that was fantastic. I mean, there were pictures taken. We can go back, and we can, we can celebrate, and, and we do the, the happy birthdays. It's been 33 years, and, but for me to be reborn was what was most important, and that happened in 1994. That was the week when I heard the name of Jesus crystal clear. Then I heard how Jesus loved me and how Jesus went to the cross for my sins. I heard that I was a sinner and that I was separated from God and that I needed to get to God. And the only way that that could happen was through Jesus. Now, I'd heard these things growing up in the local church. I'd even been baptized with water at age nine, but it meant nothing until June 24th, 1994, when I was reborn. The question I have for you today is, have you been reborn? The only way that we can be reborn is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection. There was one of his disciples that messed up many times. He put his foot in his mouth many times. He said he was going to do things, and he didn't fulfill his promises. His name was Peter. But Peter understood what it meant to be reborn after the resurrection, what it meant to be restored by Christ, and to be a follower of Jesus, what it meant to give his life for following Jesus. And listen to what he says here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So we see that being born again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a living hope. That means it is a hope that stays alive. We have a hope that will not disappoint. Jesus will come back for his church. And when he does, we will face God in judgment. And Jesus will stand in our place. That is our hope. It will not be disappointed. It will not fail. It will be fulfilled. And then the resurrection that we speak of, which you can read more of as well, a breakdown that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There were many who saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are many doubters today. That's nothing new. I mean, this is 2,000 years later, and people are saying, no, he didn't rise from the grave. That's just ludicrous to think that someone could rise from the grave. But yet there were people in this time who thought the same thing, even though Mary Magdalene viewed his resurrected body, and the 12 who followed him viewed his resurrected body. The apostles, the apostle Paul himself, later in time, when he was walking on the road to Damascus, was blinded by Christ. The two on the road to Emmaus were walking with Jesus, and they didn't even know it was Jesus until the end when he revealed himself to them. And then there were more than 500 men. Did you know this? That there were more than 500 men who viewed Christ after the resurrection at one time. More than 500 men at one time, and yet there were still people who doubt. And maybe you doubt today. But Jesus has resurrected from the grave. Jesus is alive. And what does he save us from? He saves us from this present life, a life which is perishable, which means it has a shelf life, okay? There's going to come a time when it gets old and it's time to be thrown out when our lives are over. It's perishable. Then our lives are defiled, All of us are defiled in this room. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. It has been passed on to all of us. We are defiled. We're sinners. And it's a day and a life which is fading. This life is fading away. Yes, earth is getting worse. You can see all types of birth pains that are taking place on this earth. It's been taking place for quite some time because it's the effect of sin. This place is fading. This earth will not last forever. So if you're trying to hold on tight and embrace this earth, know that one day this earth will let go of you. You will pass from this life to the next. And that's important for you to understand and know it's a reality. So what does Jesus give us through the resurrection? Through the resurrection, Jesus gives us imperishable life. Although this life is perishable, there is an eternity which is imperishable, which we live on forever and ever and ever, which is far beyond your finite mind. So if you're trying to comprehend that, you're not going to be able to fully grasp it. But you can give it a try. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. Meaning we who are in sin are, are, are no longer sinners in the eyes of God. And we are made new. We will receive glorified bodies in this resurrection. And also, it's unfading. It will always last. It will always stand. God's kingdom. This is what we have to look forward to. Not everybody gets this. In fact, very few actually do understand this teaching. But it's the reality in which we live in. A present life and a life to come. One that's perishable to one that's imperishable. One that's defiled to one that's undefiled. One that is fading to one that is no longer fading. And there was a man named Nicodemus. And I want to talk about Nicodemus today. I kind of want us to settle in on on Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. 
He was older in age. He was a teacher. He was very smart. He had it all together. You know, when, when he talked, people listened. Just kind of like you're listening right now. When, when he entered into the room, people got quiet, and they wanted to hear what he had to say. He knew the law. He knew God's word. People looked at him as religious, as a man who needed nothing else. I mean, he had it all together. He was a role model. And we see Nicodemus, after Jesus dies on the cross, playing a very important role of taking Jesus' body to the tomb. So in John chapter 19, verse 38, he says, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. So we always think of Joseph of Arimathea, but there was one more. Nicodemus also, who had earlier come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes. And get this, about 75 pounds in weight. So this was no secret for him that he was going to touch the body of Jesus, which would be seen as him being defiled. And he's carrying 75 pounds of myrrh and and aloe, of spices. I mean, it, it would have taken quite a load to get all of this to the tomb. And so he's understanding something. He's, he's now stepping out and doing something that the Pharisees didn't want to have any part in doing. This was going to ruin his reputation. This would ruin his life. He's, he's getting something that other people have not gotten yet. And so what would lead Nicodemus to defile himself and associate himself with the dead Messiah? Understand the reason I say dead Messiah is in the context in which this took place. People saw him as a failure. This man who said he was the king of kings and lord of lords, look at him now. He's dead. He's been beaten. He's been murdered on a cross. Yeah, where's your king now, Jews? Where's your king now? But if we back up a little bit to John chapter 7, we, we see that Nicodemus was already gaining some confidence in Jesus. We see in John chapter 7, verse 45, he says, The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, and they're speaking of Jesus, No one ever spoke like this man. We've never heard anybody like this man before. He's talking about being the living water. I mean, we've never heard somebody refer to himself in such a way. They were astonished. In verse 47, the Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? That's an interesting question. You can imagine Nicodemus standing there going, Well, I'm starting to become convinced. But this crowd does not know the law is accursed. Then verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to him, that's to Jesus, before And who was one of them said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. What would lead Nicodemus to defend a false Messiah? Because in this context, they see him as a fake, as a phony. And Nicodemus is standing up. He's risking his reputation as being a high leader among the Pharisees, a part of the Sanhedrin, a very holy group they were looked upon. Here he's taking his stand. Well, let's take a few steps back to John chapter 3, and we'll see where this all began. 
John chapter 3, Jesus confronts morality and religion. But I think it's important for us to understand that when we think if we need to be changed, we think it's because we've done bad things before God. But we need to be changed because we're bad before God. Okay? Not just bad things, but our position. Our first birth, when we come into this world and we were born here, we were born into sin. Everyone in this room has that in common. So if you were concerned about walking in this room today and what people would think of you as if they can look straight to your heart, understand they have no room to judge because all of us have failed and fallen into sin. But the one who does look to your heart knows that you are a sinner and he is the one that can redeem your life from sin. And here, Jesus confronts morality and religion. Church, it's not enough just to be good. It's not enough just to read your Bible. It's not enough just to pray. It's not even enough just to talk to other people about Jesus. Because if you're doing all of these things and thinking that God's saying, that's good, that's good, keep on coming with it, keep on coming with it, because you're going to teeter out and you're going to hit this spot, and man, then you are going to be a Christian. You're going to be good. No, he's not waiting for that moment because that moment will never happen for you. It will never happen for me because it's not about our morality and our religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And this is what he's about to point out to a very religious man, Nicodemus. So isn't it interesting that one of the most famous men, one of the most religious men of his time comes to Jesus at night in the darkness which we can see he's probably hiding. He probably doesn't want to be noticed. He's waiting till everybody else is going to sleep. He's coming to Jesus. Also, this darkness could represent sin, which he was filled with from his first birth. And so he comes to Jesus, and Jesus confronts morality and religion. And we see in John 3, starting in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God of God. Jesus cuts him off. I mean, Nicodemus is singing his praises and saying, you must be from God. You're a great teacher. And before he can go any further, he says, you, you must be born again. And for this man who is seen as religious, who is seen as so good in following the law, not only was he following the law, but he set up a fence around the law so that he would not dare approach the actual law. So he had all these rules that he lived by. And he was thinking that because he lived by these rules and taught these rules and walked around as holy and good, that Jesus would say, hey man, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. Keep going on. No, he doesn't say, I appreciate what you're doing. And he doesn't say, hey, well, look, here's some teaching that I'm going to give you that you can add on top of that. Why doesn't Jesus do that? Listen clearly. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. He doesn't. He doesn't want to come in and take half residence. But he wants to come and take over your life. He wants to be your life. It's not that you hold on to anything, but you let all things go. He says, you must be born again. 
There's only one way to see the kingdom of God, and there's only one way to see the king, and that is when you're born again. Why? Because as we see, the, the perishable must put on the imperishable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 53 through 55. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You must be born again. All of us. Our first birth associates us with the first Adam, which means all of us are sinners, which means from birth you're separated from God. Now, there are different teachings and opinions on this, but according to the word, I cannot find any other way. We're born into it. And in order for us to see this, let us go through Scripture. John 3, 4 through 6, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a good question. I mean, because if you're not familiar with being reborn, you're not familiar with Jesus' teaching, and, and you're blinded to it, that, that's a good question. I mean, I'm older in age. I'm an old man. How, how can I go back to the beginning? Even if you could go back to the beginning, it wouldn't matter. We're not talking about a physical birth. We're talking about a spiritual rebirth. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So understand, we're born of the flesh. Jesus, when he came, was born of a virgin. That was very important because he did not come in the bloodline of Adam. And so he was without sin. All of us are in sin. So birth through the flesh is death. Rebirth through the Spirit is life. So follow with me. This isn't a a traditional message where I I would take a text and we just expound everything from that. We are jumping around today. But I want to show to you how from birth we're sinners. Psalm 51 verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalmist says, hey, from, from birth I've been a sinner. Job 15, 14. What is man that he can be pure or he who is born of a woman, that he can be righteous. There's only one who can be righteous, born of a woman, but not of a man, and that's Jesus. But all of us, none of us are righteous on our own. You're not righteous on your own. It doesn't matter what works you do, you're not righteous on your own. We cannot fulfill that in our own lives. There's a need for a resurrection, a risen Savior. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Maybe you've seen the movie Noah. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. Okay. I wouldn't go and say it's biblical. Okay. Um, But good try. So before they get on the ark, man's heart is sinful. Guess where man's heart is when they get off the ark? Still sinful. Man's heart is still sinful. For everyone who comes from the first Adam has sinned. We are all filled with sin. In this room, all of us sinners in need of a Savior. 
2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is a picture of Satan taking captive the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see that there is light in Jesus Christ. Not only is our flesh holding us captive, but Satan holds those captive who are unbelievers. Maybe today you're held captive. You're an unbeliever. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're hearing this and you're saying, all right, you're right. I have failed. We've all failed. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. Are you hearing this message? Romans 6, 20. For when we were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Which means that when you were a slave to sin, you did know righteousness. When we're in slavery to sin through our first birth... Everything we do is sin. Even coming into the church house and singing praises, you think, oh, God would be pleased with me, at least with that, right? He's not pleased with that. Nothing we do, nothing we do from our first birth is God pleased with. Nothing. Why? Because we are a broken creation. We do not reveal His glory. We do not radiate His love. No, we're about us. We're about this world. Ourselves being God's, that's who we're about. So nothing we do, even good works for other people. Not that man, man can do some very nice works for people. Woman can do some very nice works for people. We're not just talking about good works, but all those good works, God's not impressed. Because none of it's for his glory, which we were originally created to display. And so through all of this, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Romans 3, 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Matthew seven eighteen. a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So now we're compared to trees. He's saying that a healthy tree will not bear bad fruit. A diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. Not going to happen. So what needs to happen to the tree? It must be uprooted. Man is a fallen creature. It is not that a few leaves have faded, but that the entire tree has become rotten. Root and branch. So we can try to place fruit into our lives, but there will be a time when the the, the true fruit of of, of the tree, which we really are, will, will push off that fruit. We can pretend, but all of us are rooted in sin. And we must be uprooted in Christ. As he was resurrected from the grave, he resurrects us. He gives us a new life to be reborn. And here's the good news. We don't have to be in sin Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now there's good news. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those who are pure in heart, see God. They see the king. They see the kingdom of God. If you have a pure heart today, you understand what's being said. It's not that you're better than anyone else, but it's been revealed to you. You have Christ in your life. You have a pure heart. You see God. You see the kingdom of God. You understand the gospel message. In Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, it is prophesied, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart. Get that? A new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my son within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 
That's a picture of being reborn. So that we can follow, that we can obey, that we can please God. Understand, here's the good news. Jesus did the work on the cross. He went to the grave and he rose from the grave so that you and I could be reborn. So that we could be brought to God in a right relationship. There is not a thing you have done that counts towards you entering into the kingdom of God. Nothing you've done counts towards you entering into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus here, he's a righteous man seen in other people's eyes, but Jesus looks straight to his heart. He cuts him off at the past and says, listen, no, you must be born again. And he follows it up with this. He says, do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again, because obviously there was an astonished look on Nicodemus' face. You're telling me, me, I must be born again, but I've done all these things, right? How can I be bad? Does does that sound familiar? But I've done so many good things. How how can I be seen as bad? You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? He didn't understand. A teacher of Israel had no understanding of what Jesus was saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? The need for Nicodemus is to be reborn because he does not understand. Why? He was well-versed. The first five books of the Old Testament, won't you just go ahead and take your Bibles out? And... It's just the first five books. Here we say about, right here, memorized, memorized fully. For us who say, I can't memorize scripture, I'm getting older in age, or you know what, I'm just not one who's gifted in memorizing scripture. Come on, man, be for real, right? See, we like to come up with all these excuses, but for Nicodemus, man, he memorized the first five books. It was required. He could teach from it. He could recall from it. He's saying, you you know all of this, but you know what? He stored it in his head, not in his heart. You may have a lot stored up here, but here it's empty of truly understanding who Christ the King is. That's why you must be reborn and given a new heart. You can have knowledge. You can get in biblical debates and you can make people look bad. You know enough to be dangerous, but it hasn't taken root in your heart. There's no transformation in your life. Titus 3, 4 through 7 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured on, out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We needed help. Our hearts need to be turned that we receive the good news. And I pray for you today that you hear this message, that you may repent and follow Jesus. Be reborn. Have a life that is everlasting. Be able to live for the master. Be able to reflect the glory of God to live for your intended purpose. Because there is a purpose of why you're here on this earth. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the grave so that we could be 
reborn. John 3, 13 through 15. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. There's a reason why Jesus took it back to the Old Testament, because Nicodemus would understand. He could teach people about the serpent in the wilderness, just as you learn a community group about the serpent being lifted up, so must Jesus be lifted up. He understood about the serpent, but he did not understand that Jesus would be a picture of that serpent. How could the Messiah be a picture of sin if he was the Son of God? Because he would become sin for us on the cross. And just as those in the Old Testament, when they were bitten by the fiery serpents, and they would have to go to this cross where the serpent was, and they would have to go and they would have to look at the serpent because the serpent was a picture of the very thing that bit them. In the same way, when we look to Jesus on the cross, he is a picture of our very sin. And he is taking the punishment that we deserve. All of us should be punished for our sin by a righteous, good judge. Because all of us have sinned. And when you look to Jesus on the cross, he has taken your sin. And he is taking on that punishment for you. Not only that, but all of your sin that you'll ever commit on this earth. Some have a hard time with that because they say that's not fair. The cross is enough, man. The cross is enough. There's nothing more that you can add to it or do. So when you're reborn, you don't live each day in order to impress God. No, you live each day because of what God has impressed in you, the power of the Holy Spirit. And He's made you new so that you can be righteous and serve Him. And it should be your joy, church, to walk in obedience. Not a duty, not a job, but a joy to walk in obedience. Maybe for you, when you think of coming to church, you got up this morning, and let's just be honest, you're like, I'll go, okay, I'll go, I'll go. All right, I'll get dressed up, I'll look nice, I'll be there. And you're sitting here, you say, if I can just make it through this, we're gonna be good. But listen to this, man. It doesn't have to be that way for you. You can have joy. Do you know why I can preach so long? Because I love Jesus. Now I know there are times when I probably should cut it off. And the Holy Spirit's working in you and not in me, okay? I don't know. It's because I love Jesus. Really? No joke. So this is just a job. It's my life. When we're singing and we're singing about being risen in Christ and having a hope and a joy and looking forward to that glory, I can't wait for that. Any day, come on now. Let's go. That's our home. That's reality. I love preaching. I love teaching the Word of God. I love God. You know why I can say that? Because I've been reborn. You know why I was reborn? Because of the work of Christ on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. That's why when I woke up this morning, I went and got my son up and said, Son, it's Easter. Wake up. What's Easter, man? Jesus is alive. He runs in and gets his Easter eggs. That's all good, man. Because what are we going to say, man? And my wife, man, she turned it around. She did such a good job. to get <clears throat> Good teacher, man. She's an awesome woman. She said, no, no, Brooker, those eggs. You know, the reason we put eggs in your basket is because, you know, when, when eggs are hatched, there's new life. And, and, and you can be reborn in Christ. I was like, amen, amen. Amen. Get it, boy. Get it. Listen, listen, just listen. And then he came back and he said, when we, when we did the, the boiled eggs the other day, he said, what happened to the chickens? We said, hey, don't go there. All right? 
Don't go there. Just paint the egg, son, okay? It's going to be good. Out of the mouth of babes, right? New life. Jesus paid it all for you in full because you couldn't. You're in huge debt. I'm in huge debt. Our only hope is Jesus. Galatians 3.10, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. All of us are cursed. Jesus became a curse for us when he went to the cross. One who had never sinned became a curse for us. 1 John 2.29, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. How do we practice righteousness? To be reborn. So I present that question to you again. Have you been reborn? Born again? Have you been made new? All of us must be born again. Your first birth associated you with sin. Your second birth associates you with righteousness. Your first birth associates you with the first Adam. Your second with the second Adam. Jesus Christ. You're first in the kingdom of Satan. You're second in the kingdom of God. Unholy, holy because of what Christ has done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time where we look at being born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If If he would have stayed dead in in the tomb, we would have had no hope. If he never went to the cross, we would have never had hope. We needed to be resurrected. Jesus rose from the grave. We too can rise from the death of sin and live in victory in Christ. Lord, I ask that you move in power at this time. And Lord, as this testimony, this message has gone forth from your word, a man of Nicodemus who thought he was good, Lord, I would truly like to believe that Nicodemus truly got it. And that's why he found himself at the tomb. He saw where Jesus was buried. So he knew that he actually went into that tomb. That he would hear that testimony and know that Jesus rose from the grave. Thank you for that night in which Nicodemus came to Jesus. So that 2,000 years later we can read of that night and know that we too, no matter how good we think we are, all of us must be born again so that we can live for your glory. Just as you're, you're bowed, heads are bowed, it's a great moment right here, okay? I'm just going to ask if there are any of you here today and, and you've heard this message and you say, I need to be reborn. I need to follow Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. I've learned today that I'm associated with sin from birth and so Nothing good or bad that I do will will get me to the Father. I need Jesus. Today, we would love to talk with you about following Jesus. It's the most important time. There are a lot of things we look forward to today, but understand this is what's most important. Do you want to be reborn and follow Jesus today? If you do, and there is a resounding yes within you, we would love to talk with you in the back. We just have some pastors, some counselors right there in the back. We would love to meet with you. So, so here's the thing. In just a moment, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing. And 
And just as in the last few weeks, we've had men who have come back in the back and said, hey, I need to know more about following Jesus. We're here for you. You're not gonna inconvenience us. We wanna share with you more about following Jesus Christ. Call out to him, confess that you're a sinner, trust in what Jesus did for you. Begin following Jesus as a, as a reborn believer. We make ourselves available in the back. You come as the Lord so leads you to those who are here and you say, I'm a Christian, but you know, I've gotten away from understanding what it means to be reborn and what I've been reborn for. Maybe there's some disobedience in your life. Here, we don't practice rededication, so we're not gonna ask you to come and rededicate your life. I'm just gonna ask you, if you find yourself kind of in the dirt, you find yourself on the sideline, you've quit serving Christ because of your sin, that you would get back up and that you would trust Jesus and what he did for you as a one-time sacrifice. Get back up and keep following Jesus. Find your hope in him. If, we, if you need to talk with somebody, if we can encourage you, you come back there. We would love to talk with you as well. If it's your desire that you would be a member of Perimeter Road, just take notice our membership class is coming right around the corner on May 4th. We'd love for you to sign up and join us. You can drop that off in the offering plate in a minute. But Let us continue to worship. Let us stay in this moment. Search your hearts. Do not be ashamed. Do not be fearful of what man will think because what's most important is what God thinks. He looks right to your heart. He already knows where you are. Will you respond? Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time. We ask that you move in power. In Jesus' name, amen.